Hear these words written by Matthew from his gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of God. I'm sorry, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah, and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. These are the words of God for the people of God. You may be seated. My mother, Mama Cleo, Mama Matilda, Aunt Brenda, Aunt Geneva, Aunt Opal, Aunt Glenna, Odie Faust, Irene Porter, Mrs. Culberson, Mrs. Blankenbeckler, Mrs. Francisco. All of these are women in my life who have helped to shape who I am. Had it not been for their influence on me, my life would be much emptier and lacking much. What they have given through their lives and in pumping into me themselves has really made a difference in who I have become. In the Nativity story, there are several women who are critical to the story. They do much in terms of Jesus' entry into the world as Messiah, and they also help us to understand how God has been at work in and through them. And so during this Advent season, we're going to be looking at a few of those women, women of the Nativity. I think their stories will inspire you and help us to better understand not only who Jesus and God are, but it will also help us to understand how we fit into God's plan. And today we're going to take on one of those characters. You may have heard very little about this particular character, but today we're going to hear her story, the story of Rahab. Now our Bibles are arranged in a very interesting fashion. You know, you have two parts of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament, as our Bibles are arranged, begins with the gospel that was written by a character by the name of Matthew. And Matthew does something that I think is rather odd, quite honestly. He begins with a genealogy, you know, a list of names. It is kind of the ancient ancestors.com for Jesus. And I don't know about you, but anytime I come to a list of names in the Bible, particularly a long list of names, I tend to gloss over them just a little bit. Any, anybody like me with that? And if I'm like math, Matt having to read it publicly and I see all those names, it is a scary thing. Am I going to pronounce them? Would you all give it up for Matt? He did such a great job reading these names. After all, you know, all of you know somebody named Aminadab, right? I mean, you know, there's just those guys are walking around everywhere. What's fascinating about Matthew's genealogy is 
that he does what nearly every ancient genealogy does. It gives this list of guys that are a part of this long line of succession. But Matthew not only talks about guys, he also mentions four women in the genealogy. Now, that just wasn't done in ancient times. And these four women are interesting characters, to say the least. And one we're going to look at now is Rahab. Who was she? What did she do? What is her story? And how does that story have an impact on us? Now, to understand the story of Rahab, you've got to know that her story begins before Rahab ever appears in the biblical story. You see, 40 years, a little bit more than 40 years before Rahab appears in Scripture, we have this character by the name of Moses who goes to the most powerful ruler on earth in that day, the king or the Pharaoh in Egypt, and demands that Pharaoh liberate the Hebrew slaves. Now, if you happen to have read that story, you may know that Pharaoh wasn't very willing to do what Moses said, right? And it took God doing these devastating acts upon the land of Egypt before Pharaoh finally said, get out of here and take these slaves with you. And so, in that story, Moses and the Hebrew community pack up, leave on a whim, and they march away from Egypt. But it wasn't long after they were gone that Pharaoh didn't like the decision that he made, and he sent his army in pursuit of these liberated slaves because he wanted to bring them back because they were a key to his economy and well-being. Well, you probably remember too in the story that God opened up the Reed Sea, the Hebrews marched across as if it were dry land, got to the other side, and then the Egyptian army pursued them into the sea, and the sea closed up and drowned them. And then for the next 40 years, these Hebrew slaves were molded by God into a worshiping community, a community of God, and God promised them that He was going to take them into this land of promise, a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, it was a prosperous place. It was a place where they could uh, uh, raise their families, a place they could live. It's a place where they could become the people they were created to be. So 40 years after they began that journey, they were positioned on the eastern side of the Jordan River ready to make their way into this land of promise. Before them was a huge obstacle. It was the fortified city of Jericho. It basically blocked the entryway into this new land for the Hebrews. And so, the leader, Joshua by this point, he chose from out of his elite group of soldiers, two guys. And he said, I want you to go in and I want you to check the land out and I want you to check out this fortified city. And so these two guys in disguise went into this land 
kind of exploring what was there, what was before the Hebrew children, and he went into the town or city of Jericho. And there in Jericho, they listened to what the people were saying. They checked out all the defenses. They looked over the city completely. They estimated the number of people that were present. And as evening came, they went to the home of Rahab, who was a prostitute. And there she gave them shelter for the evening. Rahab had this interesting vocation. She was a harlot, a woman of the evening. What a great place for strangers to go because few people would think much of a person going to such a place to be with such a person. When we first hear what Rahab did, what her craft was, it causes a lot of us to be a bit uncomfortable. You know, try being a preacher talking about that in front of a group of people, you know. Uh, Here is this woman who has a vocation that we're not really comfortable with. Her life, we might say, is kind of messed up. You know, she becomes the the heroine of the story, and yet she has this checkered story in her own life. You know, most of the time, particularly in church life, we, we, we want our heroes to be uh, a kind of spotless and, you know, have a, a great history behind them. But here Rahab is this different sort of character. Rahab really had a lot of things going against her, particularly from the eyes of the Jewish community. You see, first of all, she was of foreign birth, and the Jews would have considered her to be unclean because of her ethnic identity. They really wouldn't want anything to do with this particular woman. And imagine her becoming a hero in their story is rather bizarre. Also, this woman probably entered into a vocation and probably was a sign that she was had been living in poverty. You see, in that day and time, there were usually about there were three different pathways that commonly led a woman into prostitution. One was religious in nature. You see, in that day and time, there were fertility cults that basically there were religious staff at the temples that would have relationships with those who come, believing that in some way those acts would appease the gods and that would in turn cause the gods to be happy and the gods would would bring prosperity to the land and, and help families to multiply. Then there were those who saw this craft as a way of prospering financially and they entered into the craft. And then there were those who, if they had no husband or the father couldn't provide for them, their poverty would lead them into acts where they would sell their body as a way of providing for themselves and their family. And in all likelihood, Rahab had been living in poverty and led her into this particular vocation. 
And so people would look down on Rahab because of what she did. You see, under Jewish law, that anyone who was in that vocation would be stoned or burned. She was a person living in poverty, and oftentimes people in many cultures look down on those who are living in poverty and think that they're less than everybody else. And so here was this woman who had so many strikes against her. Have you ever done something that you were ashamed of? Have you had or have a bad habit and you just can't kick that bad habit? Have you ever made a mistake that you regret? If so, I want you to listen to the rest of Rahab's story because I think you'll be blessed. Rahab was more than a streetwalker. She was more than the sum of these things that identified her as a woman of foreign descent, a woman living in poverty, and a woman who was a harlot. She was much more. She was much more. When you hear Rahab's story as told from the New Testament, you begin to get that picture of someone who was much more. In two places in the New Testament, Rahab's name is mentioned. And in each, she is praised as a woman of faith. Listen to the words in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. Rahab had shown hospitality to those Hebrew guys who had come in to spy out the city. She had given them protection. Listen to the words found in the book of James. Was not Rahab the prostitute, now this is a big New Testament word, justified, in other words, made right with God. Was not Rahab justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another road? There was something amazing about the hospitality of Rahab that caused New Testament writers to say, this woman was special. We find a more complete picture of Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. You see, when the spies came into town and they looked at everything and they investigated and they looked at the defenses and they heard what the people were saying, they went to Rahab's home for the evening and she welcomed them into her home. Well, it just so happened that apparently some people saw these men going into Rahab's place of business. And they went and told the king or the mayor of the city what had happened. And the mayor of the city sent police to Rahab's house to arrest these men because they were suspicious characters. When the police arrived at Rahab's home, 
she had hidden the guys up on top of a roof under some uh, stalks of, of uh, barley, I believe it was, and, and hid them there. And when the police asked, she said, oh, they were here, but they've gone. They're on their way. And if you'll go out and pursue them, you'll find them. And the police followed Rahab's advice. Then Rahab went and talked to these two guys. And what she said is absolutely amazing. She spoke to the spies and said, I know that the Lord has given you, meaning the Jews, the land. And the dread of you has fallen on us, and all the inhabitants of the land melt with fear before you. Why? Why were they so afraid? For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea and what you did to the two kings of Amorites. News of the Jewish people had reached into Jericho and into the land beyond Jericho. People had heard how that there was a God of these people who had delivered them, who delivered them not only through the Red Sea, delivered them from the hands of Pharaoh, but also to the most powerful rulers in that area, the Amorites, how that how that the Amorites had gone against the Hebrews and the Hebrews had defeated them in battle. Rahab was convinced that Jericho would fall to the Jews. But what she said next is phenomenal. She said, The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven on earth below. The Lord, your God, is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below. That is a powerful statement of faith. That is an amazing statement of faith. These spies believed that their God was the God of heaven and earth. But this foreign-born woman living in Jericho had come to believe that the God of the Jews was indeed the God of heaven and earth. Her faith led her to take these two men in to shelter them, to protect them, to show them hospitality because she believed their God was the God of heaven and on earth. And the conversation that Rahab had with these men, she said, I know God's going to give you the city. And when you come and the city falls, I have one thing to ask of you. Let no harm come to my father, my mother, or my family. And the guy said, we'll do so, but you've got to be sure that they're with you and you have to identify your place of residence by putting a red cord out the window so that no harm will come. And indeed, in just a few weeks, the Hebrews came, took the city, and they spared Rahab. But not only did Rahab and her family survive because of her faith, but something else took place, an amazing transformation. 
You see, Rahab became a member of the Jewish community. She became the wife of Salmon, going from a woman who had many men and lovers to the woman of one man. And through their relationship, she became the father of Salmon. And she became a part of that lineage leading to Jesus. She became a great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus. She became a heroine of the faith. Isn't that a neat story? So what does Rahab's story tell us? Rahab's poverty, lack of status, poor identity were not the last word on who she was and who she would become. Your past failures, mistakes, ineffectiveness, bad habits, and identity don't define who you are and what you can become. God can and wants to take each of us where we are and then take us into what He wants us to be. God wants to write you into the divine history that He has for creation just as He did for Rahab. Rahab acted on the faith she had, the faith she had been given. She had heard what God had done for the Jews and came to believe that the Lord was the God of heaven and earth. Now understand, her life was still really messed up. She was still practicing her craft. She was still involved in that lifestyle, and yet she acted in faith. When we act on the faith that we have been given, it becomes the stepping stone of God doing God's great work in us. God took Rahab from where she was and gave her a new identity and purpose. He wove her life into the divine history of the world's salvation. And God wants to do the same for us. God can transform our identity of who we are now and make us into the people that He wants us to be. Step out in faith. Rahab's story is inspiring because it shows us what God can and wants to do. Not in somebody else's life, but in your life and in the lives of those you love. Let us pray. Father, today help us to be a people who act in faith. The faith that you've given us. And Lord, for some of us it may be really small. For others it may be great faith. But help us to take those steps of faith and allow you to work in our lives, work through us and in us, to write us in your divine plan of history for the salvation of the world and those we love. Lord, we give ourselves to you now in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.